Who was that? There are other kinds of trolls. Our ancestors created six strings, each for a different type of music. Pop. <laughs> funk. Bow, wow, wow, hibio, hibio. Classical. Techno. One more time. Okay, y'all. Country. And rock. I'm gonna unite the six strings and destroy all music. Except for rock! No! So, I'm gonna need your string. Joining us for this podcast, which was recorded remotely, I'd like to welcome Justin Timberlake and Ludwig Gorenson. They served as executive music producers on Trolls World Tour, the sequel to DreamWorks Animation's 2016 musical. The voice cast is again led by Timberlake, who voices Branch, and Anna Kendrick, the voice of Poppy, who discovers six troll tribes devoted to six different kinds of music. The movie is jam-packed with music and features a voice cast that includes Anderson Pack, Rachel Bloom, Mary J. Blige, George Clinton, Kelly Clarkson, and Ozzy Osbourne. Multi-hyphenate Timberlake earned an Oscar nomination for Can't Stop the Feeling, an original song from the 2016 Trolls, and again, he has some new original songs in this sequel. Joining him to work on World Tour was Gorenson, who earned an Academy Award in 2019 for the score of Black Panther. I'm Carolyn Giardino. Welcome to the Hollywood Reporters Behind the Screen. So thank you both for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. How are the both of you? I am, uh, you know, it's strange because, like, we have a six-month-old at home, so we've kind of been inside and taking care of him for the last six months. So, I mean, a lot of it has obviously changed. Like, I don't go to my studio anymore. I, I kind of, I'm trying to work from home. But we're still kind of living in the bubble with the newborn and... and it's weird, and we can't see our families, you know, it's, 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 but we look at our son every day and kind of like, he doesn't know what's going on, and like, we're kind of trying to live the world through his eyes. Ludwig, I remember the first six months of my son's life, too. It's basically like, you don't know what's going on outside of your door anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all just trying to do our part and, you know, listen to the right people, and it's definitely a strange thing, but I think we're all going to make it through if we do our part. Well said, we have to keep that in mind. On a lighter note, let's talk about your latest project, Trolls World Tour. Tell us about how you and Ludwig came together for the sequel. We were lucky to have the success we had with the first one. And then when we started talking about the second one and the themes of the movie and the plot of the film, I knew I wanted someone to come in who had that sort of approach of almost a historian and we got it as far as having conversations with professors from UCLA about sort of just music and history and the way it's always been sort of a hand-in-hand -hand thing. And um, the only thing I remember was our producer, Gina Shea, coming to me and saying, hey, what do you think about collaborating with Ludwig Garrison? And I was like, uh, yeah, that's, that's a no-brainer for me. <laughs> so, And then Ludwig and I met up at his studio and we just chatted about it's kind of funny. It's like musicians, when we meet, it's, there's not a lot of small talk. You kind of just start going into, you know, all the ideas you, you could possibly have. And I think even walking away from that first meeting, we already had some ideas of who could be great for co-writes on certain songs and who we thought could be 
interesting for certain characters because they hadn't casted all the characters at that point for the second installment. And we were just kind of off to the races at that point on the whole thing. You have some new original songs and also covers. How did you select the lineup? Well, obviously, we were able to spot a lot of music on the first one. And for all intents and purposes, you know, the movie's a musical. And I think with the first one, we used a lot of covers. And that was something this time around where we said we want to have more original music to really give the franchise its own kind of fingerprint as well. But I don't know. It was, I think we just kind of went through each spot and said, you know, does this feel like a spot for an original? I think we'd always want to try for an original over a cover, but because we already had the kind of flipping around the cover songs in the first one, it's already part of the DNA of the franchise. So there were certain parts like the first Trolls medley, you know, where we cover Girls Just Wanna Have Fun and Groove Is In The Heart and um, Good Times and, and a few others. I mean, we're we're actually mixing within that an original where we introduce our character, Tiny Diamond. So we were actually able to find spots in the movie to kind of do both at the same time and give the audiences that love the first one a familiarity. Well, let's listen to some of the music. Let's start with the first track, The Other Side. Justin, you collaborated with SZA on this one. Yeah, uh, this was one that, this is a kind of a funny story where we had spent a few days in the studio Ludwig and myself and Max Martin and Sarah Ahrens, and we were trying to write songs for the big moment at the end of the movie. And we had the idea for Just Sing, but we also were trying to write a few ideas because we didn't know exactly what was going to work and what wasn't. So this was just very bare bones. And there was one morning where, I, how many days in were we, Ludwig? On this. We were, I think we were three days in, right? and we were basically just trying to write this last song for the movie, the big climax of, of the movie, and, and we were just every day working, you know, on this one idea and like kind of banging our heads in the table, and, and finally we just start, we were like, oh, this is terrible, let's start a new idea. So me, Max, and Sarah started this new song idea uh, one morning when Justin was came in a little bit later that day. And do you want to tell us what happened when you came into the studio? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so I basically, I, I think I had said to the guys, like, look, I'm just going to come in a little bit later. I can't see the forest through the trees, so to speak, on this. And if you guys want to come in earlier, please do. And, th and they did. And they had this idea, which was kind of like drums and the signature kind of keyboard part that Ludwig had put down. And... I walked in and everyone was just kind of really down and they were like, man, we just don't have it yet. We just don't have it yet. And then they were kind of like, well, we have this other idea. And so Ludwig plays it. And then Max and Sarah started singing some of the melodies from the hook. And I just like lost my mind. I was like, are you guys insane? This is awesome. This is amazing. <laughs> so that was maybe just the energy of, you know, mixing it up a little bit. And it's like the only time I've ever come in late to a session and it paid off, I think. Maybe. <laughs> like, yeah, we were like all like kind of having a super depressive moment. And then Justin comes in with this energy. He was like telling us like, oh, this is actually a really good idea. And we finish it within like a couple of hours. Yeah. I mean, it goes to show sometimes with songs like that too, it's all about the energy that you're putting into it when, when you're writing the song, because that's what starts to translate when people hear it. So started putting down bass lines and coming up with 
as many melodies as we could, and then we wrote the hook and wrote the verses. And at that point, we were talking about who would be a person that was maybe unexpected, but also fit the song really well to collaborate with. And SZA was the first name that came up just because we're all such big fans of hers. And, and we thought it could be a cool, interesting, different thing for her. But, but when you hear her on the track, it's, it's, it almost feels like the song was written for her. You're preaching to the choir, Now, you also incorporated some covers. Ludwig, maybe you'd like to start with this one. Tell us about how you picked Barracuda. Well, I think what Justin was talking about earlier, like this movie, we were able to do it because we had a lot of time. Like we basically had a bit over two years working on all these songs. And we were kind of figuring out, we were working so closely with the director and and the producer, Gina and Walt and, and David. So we were all together kind of figuring out the story and figuring out the narrative through the music. And Justin was talking about the the medley earlier. I think we had in the beginning, we had about 20, 30 different versions with with different songs in the medley. And, you know, the movie is covering all types of music. So there's a pretty big treasure chest of incredible songs that we were able to put in this movie. And it was a really difficult task to choose what songs are going to go in and what are not. But we had time to try out a lot of different songs. I, I think we had like about two or three hundred different songs that we constantly rotated and tried out different versions of. Barracuda was, I think, one of the last cover songs to make it in the movie. We were always kind of struggling to find a rock song that wasn't... Um, it needed to have like a badass energy to it, but it couldn't be too scary. But it also needed to be kind of like uplifting and adventurous. You mentioned that when you started this project, not everybody was cast. Could you share then a story of the casting of maybe one of the other artists in the movie? The first one that comes to mind is Anderson Pack because I think they had finished getting a deal with George Clinton and Mary J. Blige to play the king and queen of Vibe City, which is our sort of funk tribe of the trolls. And we needed a prince. And we needed someone who has a large personality, but also was very musical as well. I think casting movies like this, I would certainly don't envy the casting director on a movie like this because you need sort of a star in the sense of old Hollywood where they can sing and act and be funny and give emotion. You know, the sort of three-tiered entertainer in this type of situation and... You know, Anderson is just so, he's such a, you know, prodigy musically. Uh, there was never a doubt in my mind that that was going to work. I, you know, you have to remember, too, that this movie, you know, we've worked on this movie for what, two to three years or something like that. So yeah. 
you know, at the time, I kind of, I was a big fan uh, of his Malibu record at the time, and I was pitching him as the prince of uh, our sort of funk world. And uh, I think he came in for a session and just, like, crushed it, and everybody loved him. And he was somebody that I was very happy to have. I mean, our cast, it, 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 it really is sort of, for Ludwig and I, it really is, was a kind of, we keep calling it an embarrassment of riches because everybody was just so talented. They came in and would just crush their parts. And then they would go in and do their voice acting and just crush that as well. Mm-hmm. Those things can be really tricky. And, and um, that was one that I was really happy about. Do you want to introduce the clip Don't Slack, which is one of the songs that you did with Anderson? Sure. This was one that came out of, I think at this point, we sort of, Ludwig, had we sort of gotten far along with Just Sing and The Other Side? This was one of the earlier, there were the, we started this idea kind of early on. We actually were in the studio with Anderson and George Clinton because we recorded Atomic Dog. Oh, yeah, Atomic Dog, yeah. And, like, George Clinton came in and, like, he brought his band and we, <laughs> it was like a full day of, you know, jam session with one of the greatest of all time. I mean, I, I remember just like it was just being in that room and the atmosphere was like, OK, I'll, 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 this is once in a lifetime moment. Um, yeah. And I think after that, we were so inspired and George Clinton left the studio and it was actually me and Anderson stayed. It was like midnight and we stayed another three or four hours just jamming. He was playing drums and I was playing bass and I knew he was a great incredible musician but the musicality when he was playing he was like we were we were just jamming and like making up riffs and songs and like but by the way he was playing it was like he was writing music in his head the same time while he was playing it's different from from just you know playing music he he was like kind of writing music at the same time he was playing and we just made up one really quick simple idea like a bass i played this bass riff and he just played like a little groove over that and we we played that for an hour, and then we went home. And then next day, we really like listened back to everything we did, and like we all all three of us were in the studio, and Justin was like, "That is sick." <laughs> <laughs> and then we made the whole song out of that. And I think we're going to end with uh, just saying also an original. Would one of you like to uh, tell us a little bit about what inspired that one? (laughs) That was the most, I mean, it was tough. (laughs) Yeah, I knew knew Ludwig was going to have an audible response to that one. (laughs) It was a headache. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when, when we say, you know, I mean, even referring to Don't Slack, I mean, we had probably 15 to 20 different versions of that song but specifically for just sing i mean you're talking about a whole different kind of beast i mean don't slack ended up for instance ended up becoming the ending credits song because it's such an uplifting kind of funky you know it's a real groove 
And, you know, just seeing it, it, it's the moment of the movie where the real message, our hero Poppy has to convey this wisdom that she's come across. And, you know, we also get to the, like Ludwig was saying, the climax of our film where everyone's coming together. Um, and all these Every genre. styles, yeah, all these different styles of music, which in a way kind of metaphorically just represent different walks of life, you know, kind of come together and realize you know, we have to put our message forth that, you know, we might all march to the beat of a different drum or hear a different melody in our head, but we all can still just sing together. So that was the bare bones of the idea, but getting it to work... I think we found that, and, you know, Ludwig, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we found that at that point in, in the movie, you know, all music is wiped away and it's completely silent, but you can still hear someone's heartbeat. Yeah. I made a reference in the studio to, like, being in grade school and the way we used to make music in grade school was we would all bang on the lunch tables and everybody would, like, try to rap or sing something to the beat at lunchtime. And I was talking about how it would be cool if the song started off and it just felt like people stomping and clapping. And I think that led us to the, the one genre of music that I think a lot of the styles that are represented in our movie probably borrow from more than anything, which is gospel. You want the song to feel like a revival, but we also had the task of getting the message across. And then at the same time, we had the task of, you know, there's there's two different recordings of this song. There's one where we wanted it to feel like just a wonderful pop song. And then the one that's actually in the film where we've incorporated every style of music that's in the film. So every sort of tribe of trolls gets to be represented and the music is still seamless. So then you start you start playing with like, well, it can't be too fast, but it can't be too slow. So you know, um, because all the different styles have to be able to play along uh, within it. And then it just became you started talking to the creators and the animators and saying, you know, when does this character come in, and when does the next character come in? And it it offered us the the ability to say, okay, well. Mary J's coming in right here. Her character comes in. So this is where we'll transform the song into more of a funk groove. And then, okay, okay, now Kelly Clarkson's character's coming in. Now we have to go back and make it feel like a country song as well. Mm -hmm. um, or that it can at least be accompanied with all these different genres. And the wonderful Sarah Ahrens had such a big part in the writing of this song and helped write a melody that could go over any style of music. So um, it's really true. I mean, I think one of the difficult things about this song in particular was just what Justin was explaining that the song needed to work with every genre. So the, every tribe is represented throughout the song. And there was two ways you can write a song. You could, you could, we could have written the song, you know, with trying to co incorporate every genre while writing the song, but that would, <laughs> I don't think that would have been a great result at all. So what we decided from the start was like, let's just try to make something really simple, like try to write something very essential, just like keep it a simple melody and then like a simple message that everyone would understand. And then after we have the song, we go back and we arrange it in a way where every genre is represented. Right. We basically wrote the song, produced the song, 
and then we had to remix the song with every yeah with every genre exactly involved that was kind of the task well we're going to close out with just sing and thank you both so much for joining us we appreciate it thanks for having us yeah thanks for having us